Today, we want to talk to you about the real Matrix. Many of you have heard of the movie Matrix, a movie from 1999, made by the two brothers who became the two sisters. You know the one. But very few of you, if any, have heard about the real Matrix. And before we even dive into the real Matrix, let's talk about what is a Matrix. A Matrix, by its definition, it is a digital simulation. Some would say it is a prison for the mind. See, the real Matrix is a deception. It is something that has been pulled over your eyes to deceive you and to rob you from the truth. And you might ask yourself, well, what truth? And the truth that you are a slave, Neo, as Morpheus said in the movie. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, kept inside a prison that you cannot smell, taste, or touch. A prison for your mind. Now, I say the real matrix, but what am I talking about? What is real and what is the matrix? Let's start from the beginning. I mentioned that a matrix is a digital simulation, something built on math, something built on code, order, laws, systems, source codes. When you think of a matrix, you think of a computer program, simulation, something built on C++, C Sharp, Java, Python, you name it. But what if I told you that the very world we live in, this very physical universe, is a computer program? And I don't mean exactly necessarily a computer in the sense that we think of a computer, but a computer program in a sense that it is much like a video game, virtual reality, and the matrix itself is built on systems, on a source code, on laws, such as math, physics, and the rest of those systems of laws, of nature laws that sustain the universe. So the best argument against atheism is that the universe itself obeys laws of nature, math and physics, to be precise. Which, when you really think about it, if the universe is built on a code that is made of math, physics, you know, 2 plus 2, all these formulas, E equals MC squared, you know, energy equals mass times the round-trip speed of light squared, stuff like that, and there's so many equations that we can talk about, but when you really think about it, the entire universe obeys the laws, the codes in which it was written, much like a video game. See, if any of you are a programmer, or you know anything about computer software, if you ever played a video game, there's this movie called Free Guy, very similar to The Matrix, a very similar concept of a virtual reality 
in which someone exists that does not know it is a virtual reality? And how would you? If you are a character in a video game, you can go to the left, you go to the right, you can just go on infinity, and you will never know that your entire cosmos is bound in something greater than it is, which would be a hard drive, to be honest. Inside of a computer, inside of a machine, it is a simulation. You can keep on going and you will never be able to escape it. Morpheus asks Neo, well, how will you know, how will you differentiate the dream world from the real world if you can never wake up from the dream? When you have a dream and you just can't wake up from it, well, how do you know that you are awake? I've had those dreams before when you have a dream and then you wake up in the dream and you realize you're still dreaming because then you wake up again and you realize it was all a dream, even though you thought it was real because you already woke up in the dream. Creation is very sophisticated. It is so complex. And as a matter of fact, truth be told, nature itself is supernatural. Because think about it. If God is, and he is because the very fact that there is a program is an evidence that there is a programmer, which means that God is natural, while everything else is supernatural because God made it. So the laws of nature in themselves, math, physics, and wisdom, after all the Torah does say, by wisdom God made all things. In Proverbs, it talks about wisdom being the first of his creations before anything else was. Wisdom. God created wisdom, and by wisdom he laid foundations of the earth. By wisdom he created this digital simulation, which we call the cosmos. The book of Bereshit, which you call Genesis, in the first verse it says, in the beginning. Well, in the beginning of what? It's not the beginning of God. It is the beginning of this creation that God has made, a nursery for us. You could say it's a dwelling place or a prison, whatever you want to call it. The fact is that we are locked in this reality and we cannot escape. We cannot go to where God is. Many people have tried. Many people have tried to hack into the spiritual realm. We have all those necromancers and sorcerers and diviners all throughout history. Now you have the Wiccan religion, all of those people with the, you know what, they're all trying to hack into the spiritual and you hear of all of those demonic possessions that come from it. The Ouija boards, tarot cards, it's, it's very real. Many people don't want to believe it because they're scared, but it is very real. And the reason it can be real is because God is real. See, many of those people, they believe in the spirits and demons, but they deny God. Well, how is that even possible? If there are spirits, then obviously there is God, because God had to create them. Where the spirits come from? They couldn't have evolved from anything natural. So really, as I mentioned, the best argument against atheism is that there are laws, there is a source code, there are systems in place. And think about it, in order for a system to be in place, in order for the code to exist, the language has to exist first. If you type in a code to develop a software, well, Java had to exist. And not only the language had to exist, the system that understands the language knows how to interpret it 
and manifest it into the digital, into the graphics, what you call a GUI, I think it's a graphical user interface, GUI, everything has to exist in order for the software to decipher the code and know how to manifest it. It is so complex to write a video game. I used to play video games all my childhood until I grew up and realized I'm not a kid anymore. Time to put that away. Something that most Americans haven't realized yet. <laughs> you know, they say that the average age for video game players used to be 18 back in 2000. Now it's 38, 20 years later. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, those 18 year olds just kept on playing. <laughs> Time to grow up. But it comes with that understanding though that what we call us, what we say is us, we're living, it's really just a digital avatar of the real us. Us, me, you, Herzl, all of us, human beings, the souls, our consciousness, is not the physical. It is the spiritual component, the element that dwells within this physical body, much like the movie Matrix or the movie Avatar or the movie Free Guy. See, there are so many movies like that with a very similar message that really help you understand it, help you break down the concept. God is speaking through everything and we know that God uses the foolish things of this world to confine the wise and he does because the wise always think they know something and then God throws them a curveball. As Herzl says, God's sport is baseball because he loves throwing you a curveball. You think you got it right and Papa's like, nope. He's actually speaking through that movie, which you would never have thought, while he is not speaking through that book over there, which everybody worships, the Talmud. <laughs> and yet, there are so many movies besides The Matrix, but The Matrix is very interesting, very profound, because there's a lot of prophetic messages in it. The fact that the last city in the movie is called Zion, we say it's the last human city, but the Matrix itself is actually, in the movie, it's a metaphor for the many matrices that we have in real life. See, what I've described to you so far, the physical universe, is just the first matrix. But within that matrix, there is a matrix inside of a matrix inside of a matrix. And all of them, without exception, are all intended for the purpose of imprisoning your mind, as Morpheus said. And that is what we call the system of the Antichrist. It is a system of deception. Antichrist, all it means really is false messiah, or false redeemer, false leader, false god, really. Anything that is designed to replace your God-given purpose your God-given life with anything else, whether it's happiness, right, the pursuit of happiness, travel, whether it's businesses, politics, sports, food, right, people worship food now, there's all these cooking shows everywhere you go, restaurants, food tools, drunkenness, partying, psychiatrist, art, oh many people love going after art, right? All those crazy people go to India and Thailand and making all these clay pots and paints and statues and all these things, healthcare, government, stock market, leisure, hobbies, drugs, you name it. The matrix is ingenious because it isn't like a one 
thing that you can either choose this or that and you'll be fine. No, the matrix actually comes at you from all angles. It's kind of like a conglomerate. If you know what a conglomerate is, it's a association of many companies under one roof. If you think of Coca-Cola. See, Coca-Cola, if you go to the grocery store, you have a whole aisle and you see you have Coke, you have Sprite, you have 7-Up, you have vitamin water, you have all of these things and you're thinking you have a choice. But little did you know that Coca-Cola owns all of them. So in a way, Coca-Cola says, well, it doesn't matter what you buy, we're getting your money. <laughs> and the Antichrist system works the exact same way. It covers all bases. So whether you go to the left or to the right, whether a Republican or a Democrat, whether you're a liberal, whether you're a communist, whether you're a capitalist, you're all wrong and you're all going to hell because you have all rejected God. Adonai is one. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. The Lord is one. Everything else is a lie. People often say my truth, their truth, his truth. But the truth is, there is one truth. See, you have his lie, her lie, their lie. But there is just one truth. And the Matrix, coming back to the Matrix. A few years ago, I've been involved in a Matrix and I didn't even know it. See, the matrix is a matrix inside of a matrix. And some of the matrixes are so ingenious and so cunning and conniving, you would think you're out of a matrix while you're still inside of it. And that was the matrix of network marketing and financial independence. See, the best lie in the world is a lie that is just a little lie mixed with a whole lot of truth. The more truth you can contract and, and press into a lie, the better the lie will be. Because if you have just a lot of lies and little truth, many people will say, well, that's far from the truth, that's not truth, and people will be able to recognize it, to spot it. But when you have just a little bit of lie, just that 1% of lie and 99% truth, that's how you deceive the masses. Look at religion. People think, well, Christians, right? I mean, you believe in Jesus? People think the Jews, you have the keeper, But they're all... Lies. It's a lie. But back to the point I was making, the network marketing, see, they all expose the matrix. They talk about the matrix of the Monday to Friday, paycheck to paycheck type of life, calling everyone a slave, which they are, right? Whether you're in prison or not, doesn't matter. You go to work Monday to Friday, you show up exactly when you have to, you get reprimanded, you sit on the freeway, going with the rest of the sheeple, day in, day out at the same time, living paycheck to paycheck, Friday to Friday, party on the weekend, barbecue on Sunday. You all are slaves. So then comes the network marketing people with their financial independence philosophy and say, we have the answer. You need to be financially free. And they present the rich dad, poor dad philosophy with the financial quadrants, you know, employee, self-employed, big business, all these big words, right? And then they present themselves as Christians, say, well, I'm a God-fearing man. I'm a Christian. I'm here to help people. As if God wants you to help people make money. That's all a lie. And then they have those conferences, three-day conferences on the weekend, but they have a church service on Sunday morning, right? <laughs> right before they continue talking about business. And it's a very cunning lie because I actually thought I was following God while I was in it because they talked about God. They all said they were Christians. They talked about all the prosperity that God has blessed them with. And it was so cunning that I was deceived for a few years, actually, until I woke up from that matrix, realized it was all a lie. 
And the reason I share this with you is because many of you listening to this message are still in the matrix. You are all deceived and you actually think that you are free. And that is really the lie. See, the movie starts, Neo is sleeping in his apartment, and then the computer says, wake up, Neo. The Matrix has you. And Neo is kind of like opening his eye a little confused. And, and the thing to really take into consideration when you're watching that movie is that Neo was seeking. He spent his days seeking the truth. He was looking for Morpheus. He was looking for answers. And they make that, that point when Neo is summoned to meet Morpheus. And Morpheus says, you have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. And he says, let me tell you why you are here. You've come because you know something. What you know you cannot explain, but you feel it. You've felt it all your life. Felt that something is wrong with the world. You don't know what, but it's there like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that brought you to me. And he makes that point. Many people, they have that feeling. Everybody knows something is wrong with the world. Everybody knows. You look at the system and think about wherever you go, you see those uh, graffitis. The system sucks. Gone with the system. All of those slogans, right? People hate the system. The system fails. The system doesn't work. Everybody knows that. But ask yourself, well, what is the system? It is the system of the Antichrist. See, everybody knows that the Bible is true because everybody knows that the system is real. And the Bible was the one that prophesied it. God always says in his prophecies, then you will know that I am Adonai. Then you will know I am the God, I am the living one. How? Because the prophecy he told us 2,000 years ago have been fulfilled. And yet, so many people, they see this. They understand the system is real, but they're so afraid. And that connects into the next point that when Morpheus walks with Neo in a simulation of the Matrix, he tells him that those people, some of them, are so helplessly dependent on the system. They're so inert, they're so built in, they, they are so wired into the system, they will fight to protect it. People are not ready to be unplugged. And that is the real sad truth of the Matrix. We live in a world that is deceived. It is a world that is designed to kill you. It is a prison that you cannot see, you cannot taste, you cannot feel. So you can be in physical prison. You can be sleeping in a cell. You can be fed three meals a day. You can have your place and have your daily routine. And that's actually great. Some would say it's even better than being outside of prison. Because outside you got to take care of rent. You got to take care of the bills. You got to find a job. You got to find a place to live. Some would say that the real prisoners are the ones living outside of prison. <laughs> and there is a lot of truth to that. But the very truth is that all of us, except the ones redeemed by Yeshua, who are walking with the Father, who have their eyes open, they have the, that veil removed from their eyes. All of them, except those people, are all slaves of the Spirit, slaves to sin. We are born slaves to sin, conceived in iniquity. And we do not have that God-Spirit connection. 
And if you do not have that God-spirit connection as Adam, our forefather, had, we are all born with the wrong understanding of what life is. That's why we think life is about the pursuit of happiness. We think it's about getting rich. We think it's about collecting experiences. Everybody want to experiment. Take a bunch of psychedelics, you know, expand your mind. That's what they all say. They come, expand your mind. Try this mushroom. Try this acid. This will really open you up. And it's all a lie by the devil. See, you think those people are there to help you. That's how cunning the devil is. Because they tell you, they point to the left, they point to the right, and they point out the lies over there. And they are correct. But then they come and say that they have the truth, when the truth is, they are just another lie. Coming back to what I said, Coca-Cola. They say, well, that drink is bad, a lot of sugar in it, you shouldn't drink it. And this drink is bad, but come drink this. But then the other drink says, well, that drink is also bad. That has some chemicals and some artificial coloring. (laughs) And they're all correct. Everything is poison. But deep inside, you feel better about yourself because you know that something else is a lie and you're not doing that thing. Well, that's how religion works. See, the Jews points at the Christians and say, well, what they're doing is wrong. They're not keeping the Torah. They don't keep the commandments. They don't keep the holy days of Adonai. They keep Sunday instead of the Sabbath. They make statues. They call Jesus, Jesus, but they don't call on the name of Adonai. And they're correct. And then the Christians look at the Talmudic Jews with all their kippahs and tefillin and and all of that nonsense and their lack of spirit. And the Christians say, well, they have no atonement. They have no covering. They have no spirit. They deny the Mashiach, the Jewish Mashiach. And both of them are correct. And that's the terrifying truth that most people are unwilling to acknowledge. Because if you really acknowledge that we live in a false reality, we live in a lie, in a system that is designed to kill you and realize the billions of people that are headed for hell right now, all around you, and those who have already died and gone, it's terrifying. And most people aren't even willing to wake up to that. Simorphius, when he meets Neo, he gives him the, the famous scene, right, with the two pills, the red pill, blue pill, and he's not giving him drugs. That's not what the movie promotes, or at least not what we promote. But Morpheus gives him the choice. He says, this is your last chance. There is no going back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed, believe whatever you want to believe. But you take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. And that's really what the gospel does. It gives you a choice. God never forced anyone. And I say God, I mean Adonai, not you know the God of money or God in trust, the God of the dollar. I'm talking about Adonai, the creator. He gives everyone a choice. Do you want the truth? Or do you want to believe in the lie? He doesn't force you. Remember the parable of the sower. All we have to do, we just sow the seeds, but then the soil decides what to do with it. Some fall on the side of the road, the ravens come pick it up, the devil trumps it underfoot. Some fall on shallow ground, they sprout up quickly, right? Those are the people that kind of like it very quickly, but then two weeks later, they're gone. We've met a whole lot of those people. <laughs> Some of them fall among the thorns. They kind of start, you know, they have that initial passion, but then the troubles of life, the family members making fun of them, the routine, the, 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 the pressure, the stress, financial trouble, they give up 
And then some are good soil. They say, I want the truth, no matter what it costs, unconditionally. And those are the ones that really prosper and get delivered. And the choice is yours. Papa doesn't force anyone, this way or that way. Morpheus doesn't force the pill down your throat. He gives you a choice. That's the free will. And that's really when free will starts and ends. You have the free will whether to accept what I just told you about the system of the Antichrist that envelops you, or you could reject it, say you don't believe it, and go about your day. That's fine. You can stop listening to the podcast, unsubscribe, never listen to us again. Doesn't matter. The the choice is yours. So Morpheus wants to teach Neo what the Matrix is, so he plugs him into the virtual machine, and he takes him to a blank cosmos of nothing but light, the first time he plugs Neo in after they pull him out. And that scene really makes me think of the beginning of creation, because he plugs him into a blank place, you know, that white room. Neo looks to the left and right, nothing but white, nothing but light. And that was when God said, let there be light. And think about it, before anything else began, there was light, the white room, the space. And what's really interesting, coming back to the simulation analogy, the universe as we know it, and scientists will confirm what I'm saying, the mass of the matter in the universe compared to the space in the universe comprises about 3 to 4%. 4% of the universe is actual mass in terms of stars, planets, comets, asteroids, gas, nebulas. The rest is space. So right off the bat, we know that 96% of space is space. But then, to top that off, everything that is made of matter, everything that is physical, is made of atoms. And every atom in itself is made of four things. Not three, but four. You have protons, neutrons, electrons, and the most important part is space. Atoms are not condensed. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of the atom is space. If we were to build a model of an atom to scale, the nuclei of the atom, which is the proton and the neutron, would be about the size of a peanut, while the radius of the rotation of the electron would be a full-size football field. That's how vast the radius of the electron that envelops the nuclei is compared to the nuclei itself. So when you realize that, the atom in itself is about 99.99% space. And considering that no atom correlates with another, they don't overlap, they're just combined one next to each other, they're pressed against each other. No electrons go into the orbit of another one. If you put all these atoms together, you have 10, 20, 1,000, 10 billion atoms. Out of this entire matter, about 99.99% is just space. So if only 4% of space is actual matter, and 99.99% of matter is space, the entire cosmos is pretty much nothing but space. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? And, and that really should get your mind going, because that's a, that's a mind blow. When you realize we live in a universe of space, and yet we can touch things and feel 
solid. We touch the phone, we feel it solid. We touch a desk, it feels solid. And I love the point where, where Neo in that simulation, he goes, well, this isn't real. And Morpheus asks him, well, what is real? If you're referring to what you can feel, what you can touch, what you can smell, well, then you're just referring to electrical signals interpreted by your brain to be something physical. But, well, what is physical? What is real? Think about it. Everything that we think is real is just electrical signals interpreted by our brain. We have nerves all throughout our body, in every nanometer of our skin. You take some sort of an object, you, you pass it all along your arm, you feel it at every spot that it touches, unless you have some sort of a defect or a malfunction in your nervous system. But if you're healthy, you have a good nervous system, then you can feel it. Well, how do you know it's real? After all, we feel things in our dreams, don't we? They, they often say, well, pinch yourself in a dream. Well, that doesn't work. I can feel pinches in a dream. You can feel pain in a dream. You can also feel pleasure in a dream. Many people have those sexual dreams. Well, you can feel all kinds of stuff in a dream. Doesn't make it real. Think about it. That by itself is a terrifying truth because that testifies to what I've mentioned earlier about us being in a digital simulation. And when you think about the digital simulation again, we are in it, God is outside of it. And between us, there is the spiritual realm. See, God doesn't dwell in the spiritual realm where the spirits are, the angels are. God has his own throne, all above everything else. But underneath it, there's the source code. You think of a programmer. He has a computer. He is not in the computer. He has a computer. The software is in the computer. See, the spiritual is the computer. We are the software in the computer. God is outside of the computer. He is the programmer. He's sitting there coding. He sees everything on his screen, looking like the matrix, ladders, symbols, green encodings, all those lines. He sees everything. He's not in it, but he sees it. And I've mentioned before, God is not everywhere. He's not. He sees everything, except the things he chooses not to see because he is holy. And God does not look on wickedness. But God sees everything because it's all on his screen. But he's not there. Remember, that's when he said, I lift my presence from you. And he dwelt with us, Adam. He made a dwelling place for God. See, God, much like those games, right? Like the movie Free Guy, he can make an avatar of himself, send himself into the software, into the virtual world. And he did. That is what Yeshua was. God sent his character literally his likeness his character into the matrix to to dwell to manifest himself his character to lead us to show us how to live and what did Yeshua say he is the ladder of Yaakov remember that ladder from the book of Bereshit the ladder all the angels going up and down on the ladder up and down from where from the software back to the real world in the matrix out of the matrix and Yeshua was that ladder because he is Adonai, he is the one, he is the gateway. Yeshua said, I am the way, I am the truth, the way, and the life. That was God typing in what he wants to say. Yeshua said, I speak nothing but the words my father told me to say. God was typing on his keyboard 
And Yeshua was the avatar, he was the speakerphone inside of the matrix to say what the Father has been speaking. It's very simple to understand if you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. God is very practical. He's not some sort of a Harry Potter, out of the box, you know, some kind of a Looney Tune cartoon. No. God made the universe by wisdom, by insight. And the universe itself testifies. The heavens do declare the glory of the Lord. The way that the universe itself denies natural law, the laws of thermodynamics, the universe cannot exist. Stars cannot form on their own. And there's all kind of theses about it and, and discussions. I'm not going to get into it. But if a star cannot form on its own in a natural, organic way, and they do exist, there has to be a supernatural origin. The universe itself, the fact that we are, and I often say the most imp impressive thing about us is not our intelligence, not our looks, not our creativity, no. The most impressive thing about us is that we are, period. The very fact that we are, we exist. Wow. <laughs> when was the last time you thought about that? We exist. We often say, I think, therefore I am. Well, no, God is, and God made you, therefore you are. <laughs> if God hasn't made you, you wouldn't. But as a matter of fact, we are. And how incredible that is. And that is why God created this simulation. He said it, Bereshit, the bet in Bereshit was to make a dwelling place, a place for him to dwell a reality, a physical universe, a three-dimension, four-dimension creation that the spirit could dwell and express itself. This whole universe is a nursery for us, for his tiny babies, a place for the eggs to hatch, for the semen to spawn, to grow, to get fertilized, to come into life, into existence. This is not the end all be all, this is just the beginning. And people often say, well, if there is a God, why is this world such nasty place? Well, this is not God's kingdom. This is just his creation. God has infinite creations. He is God above all. And I've heard people say, well, how do we know that God is God and yabba Who made God, right? And the truth is, and it's very simple to, ask, to explain actually, the universe when the universe began, time began. Time is a dimension of space. All physicists approve that. They acknowledge that. They all get it. It's not that complicated. Time is a dimension of space. As a matter of fact, when you move, time changes. Time is very relative to your position. Elevation affects the passage of time. If you go on another planet, time will be different for you. You could be there a month and you come back. It's been 10 years for me. It's only been a month for you. Time is relative. But if God was there before time began, outside of time, and he created time, then obviously he has no beginning. He is the unmoved mover. And if he exists outside of time, he always is. He simply is. From everlasting to everlasting. There is no time for God. He exists outside of us. If you make a movie, if you do anything in a virtual world, in a, you, you watch something, you see that timeline, right? You look into this podcast, you see, uh, well, you've been listening now for about 37 minutes. You can rewind, you can fast forward, but you live in a different reality. See, 
in YouTube, they give you that option to play it at 1.5 the speed, two times the speed. You can fast forward this podcast. You can listen to it twice as fast than I have been recording it, which actually means you, you could time travel. Think about it. It's time traveling. The audio, you're getting ahead of what I've been saying. It took me longer to record it than for you to listen to it. So it shouldn't be that complicated for you to understand how time actually works. And we often talk about time-lapse, all this technology of time-lapsing. You film something over six years, some tree, and then you take those six years, compress it into five minutes. And you see the tree just fall and snow and the fruit and the, the flowers and six minutes, right? Six years into six minutes. We can do that. So why is it so hard for you to understand that God can do that too? People say, how did God create the world in six days? Well, if you create a software, a program, a video game, does it take you thousands of years to type in the code and press enter? You type in the system, spawn five trees, enter, there's the trees, make great light in the upper part of the sky, enter, there it is. (laughs) It really doesn't take any time at all. The reason, and the only reason God created the world in six days and not immediately, was to make an example for us. Because he made this cage for us. It's a prison for us. If you think about surveillance cameras, we were watching a series called Better Call Saul. And the security guard sits in a room, one room, and in that one room, he has very multiple dimensions that he himself physically cannot go in every room at the same time. And yet he's found a way to be what we call omnipresent in the space of the universe that he surveils. How can one security guard guard a thousand different rooms in a mall easily? We would have never been able to fathom that 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. And yet one man, a rather large man, because he sits for a living eating cinnamon buns, one man can sit in one room and in front of him, instead of one TV or one screen, he has multiple screens showing a thousand rooms with one man being able to enter all of those dimensions visually and surveil them. And that's what we can do visually to enter a dimension. It's a door. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. And when Matrix had him in the white room, they showed all of these doors he could enter, all of these options. But you can break in the Matrix illegally, or you can enter the Matrix by being plugged in. You know, a lot of churches, they use that term. Well, you got to get plugged in. You know, they stole that from the matrix. But the reality is 
It simply means connected. And they go, well, you got to be connected. Well, yes, the father, Yeshua came, reconnect the father to the children, the children to the father. That connection line, that, that communication line was severed in the garden. And Yeshua came to reconnect it. But reconnect it in the spiritual dimension. Before Yeshua, we had the written Torah. It didn't really connect you intimately. It didn't really restore that severed. But what it did, it kind of built a, a bridge, a, an engineering, electrical engineering. I forget the term that it's called. But the two things are not connected and aren't fused. Yeshua fused us back. The Torah doesn't fuse. It simply creates an arch. from the, And there's still a gap. But there's an arch, uh, like a bridge between the gaps that allows you to still have that contact. I think the parable is Abraham's bosom. There's a type of gap, but the gap exists. And the Torah allows you to interface like a Band-Aid for the moment, a Band-Aid interface a pacemaker until the, you can find a new heart. You know, they give a lot of people that have heart attacks a pacemaker until they can find a new heart. That's that gap, that, that temporary fix in order to keep it alive long enough to do what? Fuse it. Thousands of years later, when Yeshua came and actually performed the fusion, that fusion precision that happens in nuclear energy and it binds those atoms together. And it's a wonderful explosive process, but we have to choose the door. There are many doors. Are you gonna break down the door, kick it in, or listen to this? Or does God say, I do nothing until I first reveal it to my prophets, my servants? The Lord opens the door. The Lord brings a revelation. The Lord opens your eyes and now you can see as opposed to trying to illegally enter God's dimension by drugs, sorcery. But if you walk in the spirit, that dimension, then the Lord reveals to you and has your eyes open to those multiple dimensions, which you're not gonna see all of them. You're simply gonna see there's two things about what he opens our eyes to, not all thousand rooms in a, in a security surveillance office. That's unnecessary. We can't even take it all in at one time anyway. But what he does allow us, which is unique to the matrix, is that this system, this, this greenhouse that he, created this green biosphere that he put his plants in all of us that there are many rooms in our father's house and he has a room assigned for each of us so we must be careful not to 
be lured in this intellectual uh, quest of trying to access everything. Devarim 29 says, the hidden things, the secret things belong to God. And the things that belong to us as humans, he reveals to us. And think about it. In the Garden of Eden, he said, eat this, eat this, eat this, but not that. That belongs to me. Hands off. And there are many dimensions that people try to intellectually, spiritually rape God. Try to take from God what he has not offered, what he is not giving. And when you do that, you can't successfully do that, by the way. But when you do rape something, you're really not getting it anyway. Because to really have it, that thing has to give it to you freely. So although you've stolen it, although you drilled a hole in the wall in the vault of the bank, instead of going in and being qualified for the loan, you go in and you take, and now you think you have it, but you don't, because it's money by robbery. The value of that money is gone. Once you steal something, it loses its value. It has its value, not in thievery, but in freedom. So the real wisdom, you think you have it, but you don't. That's where misery, ill, the Bible calls that ill-gotten gains, meaning it's cursed, meaning there's nothing good. The Lord said, I'm going to blow on it so that you have holes in your pocket. The money won't even stay. The, the food, although you have plenty, is going to mold. It's going to spoil. You won't be able to keep it. So when we access the Father properly, we enter the right door, the right way, with the right key by invitation. You can't break it in. You can't demand. You can't force. By invitation. That matrix has a purpose. Think about that. Because the Lord created this simulation. This is his experiment, his greenhouse. So don't you and I have a purpose in the matrix? I mean, there's two components of the matrix. Uh, it's, it's not just understanding and seeing the powers that work against it, but there's two. Opening your eyes to the matrix. What does that mean? Does it really mean destroying the matrix? I don't think so. The Lord created it. But what is your purpose in it? What is our purpose in this digital, dimensional, spiritual simulation? The Lord created it. It's outside of his dimension. And he doesn't tell us to try to escape into his dimension. He's put us in this dimension, in this matrix. And the testing that, that we are to show that even in the matrix, we are to be like Neo, seeking, seeking, understanding that there's more to this matrix. It's not disbanding it destroying it or dismissing it is understanding our purpose and what is that purpose to go into the matrix and help other people to see something as far as their purpose in it the purpose in it meaning there's an architect there's a designer and the lord put us in this matrix and he tells us to take dominion of it actually 
you take demand of it. Don't abuse it. Don't misuse it. And give me the glory for it. I'd like to say it's akin. It's akin to entering a house that your parents bought for you or built for you. And they put you in it. Here is your house, son. We paid for it. We built this house for you and your family. We, we hold the deed, but it's yours. There's no mortgage. Just live in it. Take, take care of it. Usually the parents, they take care of it. But it's yours. Don't crash the car. We bought it for you. Take care of it. Clean it. Wash it. Treat it right. It's yours. I'm outside of the house. I'm the father that bought the house, built the house, bought the car, built the car. But you get to occupy. You get to, to use it. But it comes with rules. This matrix comes with rules. So what's our purpose in the matrix? Is to open up the eyes of the people that are blind to it to understand what it is and why it is and to give God the glory until he removes us from this eggshell and we break out and we hatch. We are resurrected. We are come out of the cocoon of this matrix where we're tested to enter into the next matrix. There's so many dimensions that Father has created. As Rabbi Guy says, there's more space than matter. And what really matters is space. We have a purpose. Papa was to lead us out of this matrix, but we first have to serve him in it. Yeah. And with that comes the test what Herzl said about obeying the rules. And one of the rules is not to try to hack out of it. Coming back to the sorcerers, the, the psychedelic drugs, and in the time we live in, AI. we seen some video on YouTube, some guy asking artificial intelligence, what do you think about the second coming of Jesus? And we had to rebuke him, calling himself a Christian, and yet he's consulting sorcerers and diviners. What the difference? Just because it is an artificial intelligence? Well, we are the artificial intelligence. God is natural, God is organic, and he made us. We are artificial. So what is the difference if you ask a diviner or sorcerer, a soothsayer, or an AI? It's all the same thing. And I do find it very interesting, though, that the Matrix takes place when Morpheus says, we don't know what year is this, but we know for certain that at some point early in the 21st century, listen to this, all of mankind was united in celebration, Tower of Babel, through the blinding inebriation of hubris, which is excessive pride, we marveled at our magnificence as we gave birth to AI. Wow. And that is like the precursor of the matrix. That explains the whole thing. What happened? Where does the matrix come from? And when do we live today? The same era of AI. 
artificial intelligence. When even Christians go and consult AI because they think it's cool, because whatever it is, it makes no difference. Another scam and scheme and a new matrix of the enemy to deceive you. If you are a follower of Yeshua, why don't you consult the Holy Spirit? Why don't you talk to Adonai? Why don't you call on the name of Yeshua to be delivered? But instead, you go and talk to those artificial intelligence, something that your own hands have made. And that is the one thing that God detests, are idols, deities, and everything else that man calls God, even though they are nothing but nothing. Amen. The first AI church service occurred in England last Sunday, where they allowed AI to preach the sermon and conduct communion. They had a video screen and the whole church just did whatever the AI said, told them what to sing, told them what to pray, told them what to do, performed the communion and preached the sermon. All for the first time, it was either Germany or England, I think of Germany, Germany ones that did it. It was an AI service conducted by AI, a diviner, a sorcerer, a seer, a soothsayer. And yet, do any of us, you know, the Bible teaches us, don't go down that path. Don't go down that path. Don't go down that rabbit hole. Don't open that Pandora's box. Don't eat from that tree. Don't go to that woman's house that's blinking at you from the rooftop. See, the Lord doesn't tell us to play with it. He says, avoid it. He doesn't say play with it. He doesn't say, as one young man said, I want to experiment. He didn't make you Frankenstein. He didn't make you a science, a, a mad scientist. Just here is the code. Here are the rules. Mahalo. Follow them. Not to the left, not to the right. I don't need you to make a hybrid of the poodle. Of course, the poodle is a hybrid. I didn't need you to make the poodle. I don't need you to take the grains and mix this and mix that. I don't need you to breed a pig with a cow. I need you to be in your program. A rogue program is a bad program. It has to be destroyed. It's a virus. That's how we have cancer. Rogue sales, rogue ideology. And the Lord's simulation works when it's at the right temperature, like a greenhouse, the right soil, the right sunlight, the right space. We have space because God created it. I worked in real estate. And what is real estate? Real estate is where matter populates space. What is matter? The furniture, the apparatuses, the cubicles, the people. So when we have to rent space, we have to find out how much matter. How many employees do you have? What is your physical matter? Based on your physical matter, we would then have to find 
what? A space to accommodate the physical matter. And in all cases, listen to this, the space is always exponentially more than the matter. Amen. Amen. All about space. And think about it in the in the Torah, we often say that you have to read between the lines. You have the ink and you have the paper, the page. And that is the spirit of the law that binds the letter of the law. And yet without the spirit, which is the space, you can never truly fulfill the law. And that was the message Yeshua told that young rich ruler that he said, well, I've kept all of the commandments. I, I did this, I did that. What else do I need to do to enter the kingdom? He told him, well, go sell everything you got, give to the poor. Why? Because even though he did everything in the letter of the law, he didn't have the spirit of the law, and therefore he kept none of the law. The first and greatest commandment is love Adonai with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. And unless you keep that one, don't worry about any other commandment. Because the Torah in itself comes as a whole. And Deuteronomy 27, uh, 26, I believe, says that cursed is anyone who does not keep everything written in this Torah. And all the people say, Amen. <laughs> now, if the greatest commandment is to love, and love is not something you can physically just do legalistically, it is something of the spirit. Therefore, unless you have the spirit, you've never even kept the Torah in the first place. So there really is no point for you to do all the legalistic stuff. That's not going to save you. So if you don't love the Lord, don't worry about it. And if you do love the Lord, everything else will happen automatically out of your love for him. Because if you have the spirit, the letter will follow if you follow the Lord. But if you do not have the spirit, the letter is irrelevant. And Paul says the same thing in Galatians. Galatians 2.19, I believe. He says, I died to the Torah because of the Torah so that I can be alive in relationship with God. What does he mean by that? He means that when he finally understood the purpose of the Torah, the true meaning when he could see the spirit between the letters where he could read the white parchment that connects the ink, he understood that the purpose of it is to direct us to the spirit. And and that really comes back to the matrix when Morpheus says, nobody can be told what the matrix is. You have to be shown. I cannot tell you who God is. I cannot tell you about the spirit. It is something that you have to experience through the relationship with the father, not experience through drugs. That's not going to do it, but through a relationship. And the only way you can have that relationship is if you are first atoned for, you have a covering. And in order for you to get that covering, you have to do one of two things. Either never sin, be completely blameless and wholesome on your own, which we know that all men has fallen into sin, born in sin. So the second way, and the only way to get to the Father, is through the atonement and the sacrifice of Yeshua, who is the Mashiach. What is Mashiach? Mashiach is anointed one. He is the one that the Lord anointed to deliver his people through his righteous sacrifice. And that was a good point because uh, people do attempt. You have a choice, but you people do attempt to justify themselves 
outside of God. And who does that? There's two kinds of people that justify themselves outside of God, religious people and atheists. Atheists justify themselves by themselves alone. There is no God. While religious people also justify themselves by themselves while saying there is a God. Basically, it's like saying, you are my father, but I am not going to act as if you're my father. I acknowledge you're my father, but I am going to act on my own. The atheist says, you're not my father, and the atheist acts on his own. The religious man says, oh, you are my father, but I'm still going to act on my own. In other words, the religious man says, it's going to be by my works. It's going to be what when, I, when I'm righteous, how many churches I go to, how many prayers I pray, where the atheist says how much charity they do, how much humanism, humanistic acts of altruism they engage in. But they both are the same. In fact, I would say the religious man is worse. While the atheist denies God entirely, the religious man, while acknowledging God, still chooses to do it on his own terms or without submitting to God. It's much more rebellious to be that guy than it would be to be the atheist. Yeah, and they are in that matrix of religion. And I've mentioned in another podcast before about all those people who claim to believe in God and yet try to prosper on their own strength. And they say stuff like, well, God helps those who help themselves. No, he doesn't. God helps those who lean on him, call on him, and trust in him. He does not help those who help themselves. They help themselves. And you have to understand the laws that the Lord has set in place do work. The law of sowing and reaping. Well, if you sow corn, you'll get it. If you sow a bunch of business transactions and money in the stock market, you'll reap some money, yes? That doesn't mean that God has blessed it. It's just the supernatural law, which you call nature. But that is not the blessing of God. The blessing of God, the real blessing of God, is the relationship and intimacy with him. Remember, this is a matrix. None of this matters, even though all of it matters. It matters because of the spiritual growth and understanding that you do inside of it, but the matrix itself is temporary. Yeshua said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, the word of Adonai, stands forever. So everything matters, and yet not really. So don't get so caught up with trying to get rich, with trying to accomplish your goals, your dreams, travel, see everything, do everything, like a bunch of religious people do. Give your life to the Lord. Submit unto him, draw nearer unto him, and he shall draw nearer unto you. The matrix is about to shut down very, very soon. God is like, I'm done. Shut it off. I'm done with this game. I'm going to play something else. And whoever is unwilling to wake up from the matrix and be ready to depart when God comes to snatch us up, he goes, control X, <laughs> cut them out of the matrix. Whoever is not ready will be reset and thrown to the recycle bin along with the matrix itself. So wake up, people. The time has come. Repent and return to your maker. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah.